Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. I wake up every single day and I cry and I miss her. It's so frustrating because you just, you can look back and you, you wish you did more. Maybe my sister was scared to go to the law because her husband was a police officer. Jones County District Attorney's Office. I believe Seth Peralt was an individual that had a lot of people fooled. I think he hid behind a badge and wore a mask every day. Nice house, nice car, law enforcement. But behind that door to that house, he was pretty abusive. Stop the camera. No, let's not. Let's tell the truth. Stop the camera. No. Maybe she was scared to get out. It's February 3rd, 2020. Set the scene for me. What happened? I'm sitting at my desk in my office. That was it. And the phone rings, and it's the police chief. At least I got Seth Peralt on the phone. He's told me his wife had killed herself. And I knew that we need to get there and get this matter investigated and do it right. Describe what you saw when you got to the scene. Seth Peralt sitting on the front steps. He's sitting there, hands holding over his face. I asked her to go inside and search the house, and he gave consent for that. Had you ever seen a suicide that looked like that. I've never seen anything like that. Her body is flat on her back, her legs are almost together, and her arms are tucked against her side with her hands cupped. This wasn't right. He's worked a lot of cases. He told me, he said, the scene is not right. There's something not adding up. And the more we investigated, the odder it got. 
Obviously, we have a death investigation here. I asked him would he come downtown to talk to us further. I don't know how this happened. He said that they were in bed and they were arguing. All I know is my wife was upset. She looked at me and said, I can't do it no more. He loved her. She was his world. He'd never done anything to harm her ever. My wife looked at me and executed herself. And if you look at the logistics of it, you're going to see that I had nothing to do with it. We all called Sheriff Sills that night and said, we know our sister didn't do this. We know she didn't take her own life, that he had something to do with this. While looking at your face as a, as a law enforcement officer, I did not do me. I had nothing to do with it. Seven months later, the medical examiner's report comes out. And what does it say? Suicide. Well, I was astounded. Dr. Darisau is a renowned medical examiner. So her certification of suicide, we thought was basically open shot. You have to remember, she works for the state. I'm Justin Kenny, an attorney for Seth Peralt. It all came down to the forensics. Could the state actually prove that Seth had pulled the trigger and shot his wife in the head? If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s, you play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24 7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners. 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Just an hour and a half after Seth Peralt said his 44-year-old wife, Amanda, shot herself right in front of him, 
he was struggling to tell his story. I'm in shock. My wife of eight years that I love more than anything in this world. I don't know anymore to start, sir. I've lost everything in my life. 44-year-old Perrault, then a police officer for the city of Eatonton, Georgia, told the county sheriff, Howard Sills, that his wife, Amanda, had shot herself in the head. What did he say happened? He said that they were in bed and they were arguing, and then all of a sudden, she just produced the gun out of thin air and executed herself. I just sat there and watched my wife execute herself. In all my years of questioning anybody for suicide, I have never heard anybody use the term executed. I knew she hadn't. I knew that he was lying. From the very beginning, Angie and Alicia Johnson say they had questions about what happened to their sister Amanda. We knew better. We knew our sister. Amanda loved life. She wouldn't put us through this. About eight years earlier, in the fall of 2011, a recently divorced Amanda met Seth Perrault online. I remember being kind of excited about it. He treated her differently from some of the past relationships she had been in where, you know, she wasn't respected. Seth, battling cancer and unemployed at the time, seemed to fall for Amanda fast and hard. And they moved in fairly quick, like he had her move in within six months of the meeting. Seth was living an hour away with his mother, who was caring for him. But Angie says Amanda would quickly take over the role of Seth's caretaker. When she moved out there, he didn't want her to work. They say Seth's parents were paying all of the couple's bills and helping with expenses for Seth's daughter from a previous relationship. So Seth was basically dependent on his family. Very much. Very much. And Amanda was dependent on Seth. For the longest time, like, he wouldn't let her have any kind of phone, cell phone, or anything like that. It would be his phone or a landline. She didn't even have a car to drive. He monitored her constantly. As time went on, Alicia and Angie say they saw less and less of their sister. He kept us from being able to see her. So she didn't not come to, like, any of our... Christmas events or like any of our events because she had to host for his family and cook for all of them. Amanda lived with Seth for five years. Then on June 23, 2017, the couple surprised everyone when they quietly went to the local courthouse and got married. Angie and Alicia believe the only reason Seth married their sister was to help him get custody of his daughter. That's why I feel like he asked her to marry him. Seth's custody battle had been going on for almost exactly a year at that point. Do you think Seth marrying Amanda helped him gain custody? Absolutely. Seth's attorney, Justin Kenny. If Amanda was going to be present in his daughter's life, they had to get married. I think that was one of the paramount issues for him to gain custody. Kenny says Seth did love Amanda and his daughter and was just trying to do what he thought was best for everyone. This was a guy that doted on his daughter. He was a family man. He would dote on his wife. I just thought he was a a stand-up individual. 
A few months after Amanda and Seth were married, he was granted custody of his daughter. A little over a year later, he was hired by the Eatonton Police Department, and his father bought him this house near Lake Oconee. She loved their new home. This should have been everything she hoped for. Yeah, it was, you know, except for the relationship. Alicia and Angie say they didn't know just how bad things had gotten, but we're hearing more and more stories of fighting fueled by alcohol. I've heard stories in interviews that, you know, when they were sober, they were loving toward one another. Mm -hmm. But it's when alcohol came into the mix, that's when it became toxic. A little over a year after joining the police force, Seth fell down some stairs at the couple's home and had to go on medical leave. Now, along with the alcohol, there were pain pills, and the sisters say the fighting seemed to be escalating. You could hear it, like on phone calls, his tone and demeanor around her. I would ask, do you want me to call 911? Can I call 911? She would tell you, no, no, don't call. You know, we've just been drinking. We'll be, everything will be okay later on. Maybe she knew her situation would become even worse, you know. Then things did get worse. On January 28, 2020, just days before her death, Amanda called 911. Public County Sheriff's Office, could you help, please? Yes, thank you. She called me. She had barricaded herself in a back bedroom. It's my husband. He's putting his hands on me. She ended up having to run next door. He locked me out of the house, and I'm just trying to get my things out of the house, please. She's at the neighbor's house right now. Another sheriff's dispatcher was alerted. And she said her husband is an officer with the Eatonton Police Department. That second dispatcher said he knew Seth Peralt and said he had a reputation. I ain't supposed to know this, but he's been out of work with his back, and apparently he's over there whipping up on her ass. Seth made local headlines when he was arrested on charges of simple battery and family violence. She told me would I come get her the next morning? And I told her yes, to make sure to pack everything, have it ready. Instead, Amanda decided to attend Seth's bond hearing. When the judge agreed to release Seth on bail, he asked Amanda if she wanted a stay away order added. Amanda said no, and then let Seth come home. Because she was scared. She knew he was mad, she knew that it was public that he had been arrested. He's a police officer. You know, I have to bring him home and make this right. I, I talked to her the day he got out and I said, how are things? And she said, he's been unusually nice. Alicia says she doubted Seth's new attitude and felt that underneath he must be seething, knowing that if he was convicted on abuse charges, he was in danger of losing custody of his daughter and his job. He knew he was going to embarrass his family, and he had already put himself up here on this pedestal like he was king, and then to be humiliated in front of people, I think it made him very angry. Alicia says Amanda was terrified and looking for a way out. We were all on a chain message, and we were telling her, just get out, divorce him, tell his father that you don't want anything but a vehicle. And she said, I'm not trying to get killed. Just five days later, Amanda was dead.
Sheriff Howard Sills says that from the very start of his investigation into the death of Amanda Peralt, he wasn't buying her husband's story. I knew something was wrong the day I walked in the house. For starters, the position of Amanda's body, depicted in this 48 hours animation based on the crime scene photos, left Sills certain that Amanda could not have shot herself. Okay, this was the actual gun. Also of concern to Sills was the way this Smith & Wesson 380, which belonged to Seth, was found lying next to Amanda's body with its magazine ejected. The magazine, it was near her right side. And the pistol itself was way down here below her left foot. What made the ejected magazine even more curious, says Sills, is the fact that there was a bullet found inside the gun's chamber. It's a semi-automatic gun, so when it fires, the slide comes back, the spent cartridge casing is ejected, and it picks up the next round. Because of that bullet in the chamber, the magazine had to be ejected after the gun was fired, says Sills. And unless the gun is defective, the only way to eject the magazine is to push this button. Now, don't do this at home. But when you do this, how are you going to get your hand, your second hand around there to do it? There was also no blood on Amanda's hands or the long sleeves of her shirt. And something else caught the sheriff's eye. In the middle of the closet, on the floor, was a damp green towel that somebody had dried off with it. No doubt about that. One of the first deputies on the scene said Seth smelled like shampoo. Also alarming, the bedroom was littered with 20 miniature bottles of fireball whiskey, all of them empty. Sills says he didn't have the manpower to process the scene, so he called in agents from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. While they collected physical evidence and Amanda's body was transported to the state medical examiner, Sills focused on Seth. He came in and sat right in this blue leather chair. Seth spoke to Sills in his office for over an hour without an attorney present. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not, I have no reason to lie to you. I wanted to know what had happened that day. How did the magazine get out of the gun? How did the gun get where it was? Did you touch that gun today? The 380? Yeah. I mean, it's been like, no. Today? No, sir. How does her body get into that position? No answer. Because he never touched her? No, never touched her. But Sills says that didn't make any sense, so he kept pressing. And then Seth changed his story. How are you? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I probably did touch her. I was probably hugging the out of her. And I was probably like, I'm so, like, honey, what the hell's going on? Sheriff Sills says Seth tried several times to deflect questions with his badge. I take pride in being a good law enforcement agent. And I can't remember how many times he looked me in the eye and said, I'm a good police officer. I'm, I'm a good officer. I'm a good police officer. I'm a good police officer. I'm a good officer. I'm a good police officer. Amanda, he said, also knew what a good cop he was and how assault charges would ruin both their lives. 
she hated to see my reputation destroyed on the news because she knows what a good police officer I am. And she was so worried I'd lose my daughter. She wanted to come down here and tell you that it was a lie. Seth insisted that Amanda had lied the day she called 911 and felt so bad about it that she wanted to confess to perjury. He said that she had written something that she intended to bring to me recanting what she had told the deputies and he told me where it was. This handwritten letter was found in Amanda's nightstand. It reads in part, I, Amanda Perrault, would like to retract my statement. My husband never put his hands on me ever. I feel horrible for the humiliation I put my husband and my family through. I am willing to take any punishment I may deserve for what I have done. I don't deny she wrote it, but look at the penmanship. There's not the slightest error of any kind. What we've got here is an inexperienced police officer dictating what's to be written. Like Sills, Amanda's sisters are certain Seth was behind the letter. She wrote it, but she was coached. I think he was telling her, I need you to write this to get me out of trouble. But Seth told Sills he was not about to let Amanda confess to lying to authorities. I knew if she came down here, it was a false statement and a felony. I knew it. But according to Seth, Amanda couldn't take the guilt anymore, so she put his gun to her head and pulled the trigger. She looked at me and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I put you through this. Boom. I couldn't even say a word, Sheriff. It was done. Seth tried to convince Sills that Amanda killed herself because her call to 911 had potentially ruined their lives. But the sheriff didn't see that as a reason for suicide. Instead, he saw a motive for murder. Believing that Amanda would never take her own life, this made sense to her sisters as well. He had to make it look like she took her life so that he could be cleared of all this wrongdoing. Sheriff Sills says he was convinced that Seth Perrault was somehow involved in his wife's death. But that day, he felt he didn't have enough to arrest him. I wanted to see if I could get some more evidence. And I did. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Don't waste time on apps that don't work. Babbel's conversation-based teaching prepares you for real-life situations. And studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash truecrime. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash truecrime, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash truecrime. Rules and restrictions may apply. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. 
the hatchback that took you cross-country and back, and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. One of the clues that convinced Sheriff Sills that Seth Perrault wasn't telling the truth were his actions just 20 minutes before he reported his wife Amanda was dead. That's when Sills' deputy, Terrell Abernathy, arrived at his front door, trying to deliver paperwork on an upcoming case. They had one of those video doorbell things, and I rang that. The scene was captured in this video. I expected him to answer the door, and I expected to hand him his copy of the subpoena. I mean, you're a policeman, you know how this works. Abernathy says he could tell someone was home. And what'd you hear? I heard footsteps or footfalls, heavy ones. I'm announcing myself, who I am, what it is. I even turned my back to the door. I don't care if you're in your underwear, just answer the door and take the paper. He waited seven minutes and then left, subpoena still in hand. In my heart, I believe that Amanda Peralt had already been shot when Abernathy rang the doorbell. I think he was concerned that somebody heard the gunshot, and that's why he didn't go to the door. District Attorney Wright Barksdale believes Seth was trying to figure out what to do next. Think about this. He's in the process of staging this scene, and he hears the doorbell ring. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? But attorney Justin Kenny says that is not what happened. Why didn't they come to the door when Deputy Abernathy rang that bell? Fear of what he's bringing. Seth is afraid that his ex is about to serve him with custody modification paperwork. What does that say happened after that? So I believe there is a heated discussion that takes place. He lays down, diffuse the situation, he lays down to take a nap. He awoke to Amanda mumbling something, whispering something, and you know, her pulling the trigger and, and shooting herself. Kenny points out that Amanda was impaired by alcohol, three times the legal limit when tested by the medical examiner. That and the escalating tension in her marriage became a deadly combination. The nice house, the daughter, the financial security, all of this was crumbling around Amanda. And then you tack on a 0.23 blood alcohol content. She thought that that was the only way to, to fix it, to, to end it. She was really drunk. Absolutely. Maybe she accidentally shot the gun. How'd she accidentally get the magazine out of it? How'd she accidentally get posed as she was? Sills was also very troubled because Seth didn't call 911 when his wife allegedly shot herself. Instead, Perolf called his boss, the Eatonton chief of police, on his cell phone. 48 hours made several unsuccessful attempts to reach the former chief for comment. Obviously, we're not going to have a recording of that, and they have at least a 20-minute conversation before I'm called. Hoping the parole's neighbors had heard something the day Amanda died, 
Sills had Deputy Abernathy go back to the paroled house to question them. What he learned made Sills even more suspicious about Seth's involvement in Amanda's death. We found out that there had been a true pattern of domestic violence for years and years. Neighbors said the couple could be heard fighting nearly every day, and in their eyes, Seth was almost always the aggressor. They told stories about a physical altercation between Seth and Amanda, where he actually grabbed her by the back of the hair and pulled her down and pushed her into the driveway. One neighbor told Abernathy that he would often stand by in case things got really violent. He talked about how at times he would just stand in the yard and just wait to see if he needed to call 911 because it was so violent over there. Another neighbor said that Amanda had twice made this chilling comment. That if she were to wind up dead, that Peralta is the one that did it. And she made this neighbor promise that she would insist that her death be investigated as homicide. Did anyone call the police? No. Why not? Well, one of the answers was that well, we were scared to call because he was the police. It's hurtful. It's hurtful. And this is why I wanted to do this show, is to make sure that people know to speak up. The day Amanda died, the neighbors said they didn't hear a thing. The only witness to what happened was Seth Perold, and Sills was sure he couldn't trust him after the interview in his office. According to Seth, they take the child to school, they come back home, and they go nowhere at all other than down the street to the convenience store. Well, that didn't happen. He lied. Sills says the proof was on this surveillance camera footage of the couple, found 12 miles away at this drive through liquor store, where Amanda bought those 20 miniature bottles of Fireball whiskey. She drives up this drive-in window. Right there's the camera that catches the truck. I see it. Simultaneously, Seth was captured on a camera next door at this convenience store. You see him walk. And he actually comes down, I believe it's this aisle. And he walks and he gets something to drink. This video, says Barksdale, would become a crucial piece of evidence. Not because of what was purchased, but because of what Seth was wearing. This Pink Floyd t-shirt. These black athletic pants. Nearly four hours later, when sheriff's deputies arrived at the parole home to investigate Amanda's death, Seth was wearing something else. When we get there, he is dressed in shorts and a dark T-shirt. And the clothing Seth was wearing in the video? We found those in the washing machine. The clothing was dry and had clearly not been laundered. But there was that deputy who had reported that Seth smelled freshly washed. And there was that damp towel that was found on the closet floor. Seth says he took a bath. Seth's attorney, Justin Kenny, says Seth did wash up at some point. After you take a bath, you're going to change clothes. There was no evidence that the washing machine had actually been turned on. It looked like the washing machine was being used as a, a laundry basket. 
Only a tiny speck of blood was found on the backside of Perold's pants, and a trace amount of gunpowder residue was found on his left hand when tested. They did it three hours later after potential contamination from being at the police station. Amanda's hands were never tested, and the gun was never dusted for fingerprints. But Sills felt he now had enough evidence to make an arrest. Just two days after Amanda's shooting, now former Eatonton police officer Seth Perrault was taken into custody. Sheriff Sills called me and let me know that they were going to arrest him for her murder. And I, my whole family just was so relieved and, and happy that, that... She was getting justice. Yes. But before a grand jury could hear the evidence and decide if there was enough to go to trial, COVID shut down the courts. Seth would sit in this jail for nearly nine months until that autopsy report was released by the medical examiner, declaring Amanda's death a suicide. Her decision was based primarily on the lack of gunpowder around the wound, which meant the gun would have to have been right up against Amanda's head when it went off, and there were no signs of a struggle. Nobody is just going to allow somebody to put a gun to their head and pull the trigger without putting up some sort of fight. First thing, I just called the DA. I said, no, you're not going to believe this. Did you think maybe you made a mistake? Absolutely not. We're going to take every bit of the evidence and try to piece this thing together. But Justin Kenney did think the prosecution was making a mistake and that the autopsy report was all the evidence needed to defend Seth Perrault. I mean, it was, it seemed pretty open shut to me. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. It was November 3rd, 2020, and Seth Perrault, still unindicted, had been in jail for nearly nine months. When COVID restrictions finally eased, a grand jury was set to decide if there was enough evidence against him to go to trial. And you know the first thing I put up for that grand jury to see? The crime scene pictures. No, ma'am. The autopsy report that said suicide. Ladies and gentlemen, the state crime lab medical examiner says this was a suicide. Now, I'm going to show you the evidence I found. 
Members of the grand jury did see the crime scene photos and heard evidence of domestic abuse and quickly decided that despite the medical examiner's report, Seth Perrault should face a jury of his peers. What were the charges? Malice murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. Perrault pled not guilty to all charges. At his trial in February of 2022, he decided not to testify, leaving defense attorney Justin Kenney to tell his story. I think there was a complete absence of sufficient evidence that Seth killed his wife. The prosecution showed a jury of eight women and four men the crime scene photos, including the way Amanda's body and the gun were found. They also heard testimony from that sheriff's deputy who thought Seth smelled freshly showered. They watched the footage of Deputy Abernathy at the Parolt's front door and listened to all 60 minutes of Parolt's interview with Sheriff Sills. I don't know how this happened. District Attorney Barksdale says that some of the most compelling evidence was found on Amanda's cell phone. Like this video she recorded seven months prior to her death. It's sad. It's sad because you know what? I buried you and I'm, I'm not going to. I'm dude, you're done. I'm done. Amanda's sisters were seeing the video for the first time. It made me angry. I want to have a good weekend. You burn that up when you try to put that phone in my face. What phone in your face? Oh, right there. Oh, you're, you're videotaping. Yeah, because you're being a and I'm going to show oh, so you tomorrow. You didn't videotape all the you when you hit me and smack hit me. you yeah. you choked me eight times the video was problematic but it, it doesn't show everything that took place seth also states that she had acted violently toward him as well there was no evidence of seth having been abused introduced at trial but amanda's phone also contained photos of her with bruises a black eye and a split lip along with texts like this one to her sisters. Seth just choked me till I nearly passed out, busted my lip wide open. I was scared that um, one of them might get hurt. This is Seth's then eight-year-old daughter being interviewed by a forensic child psychologist. Remember, she was a witness to what happened the day Amanda called 911. They were cussing at each other. Mrs. Amanda was cussing too, but she didn't touch Daddy at all. Daddy was like touching our nose like this, like, get out of my house right now. The jury was shown most of the interview. Um, she was on the floor like this, like, yeah, trying to get her stuff. Then all of a sudden, Daddy just started grabbing her arms, and Daddy just pushed her over the laundry table and then um, opened the door and pushed her out the door. While her father spent the night in jail, she said Amanda begged her not to tell anyone what happened or there could be deadly consequences. Amanda tells her that night, if your daddy loses custody of you, he's going to shoot me dead. Your daddy would come shoot me dead. But when Barksdale called the now 10-year-old to the witness stand, she said she couldn't recall what happened that day or what she said in the interview. She, I think, felt really torn. I seen her look at her dad a couple times. I felt like she was more careful about what she was saying, like somebody had been coaching her. In cross-examination, the defense asked if anyone had coached her on what to say. She said no. 
But Justin Kenney says he believes another prosecution witness may have been coached, a jailhouse informant named Jack Falk, who had shared a dorm block with Seth Perrault. Jack Falk has a criminal history, I believe 28 pages long, numerous contacts with the police, and he had every incentive to lie and make up a story. Falk had come forward three weeks before the medical examiner's report was released, claiming he had valuable information about Amanda's death. He knew things that only Seth Peralt could have told him. In these two handwritten letters, Falk claimed that Seth told him the camera catching him with the clothes on was his biggest concern. He also claimed that Seth said he had been giving Amanda painkillers all day and that she was passed out at the time of her death. I think he was in the bed with her after she was passed out and held the gun against her head. Thank he was did. behind her? Behind her or slightly to the side. The defense argued that Amanda shot herself because her lies about Seth assaulting her had potentially ruined their lives. Furthermore, only that tiny trace of gunshot residue was found on Perot's left hand. And there was just that one speck of blood found on his clothing. Justin Kenny says the hardest thing for the defense to explain was the way Amanda's body was found. We knew that it was going to be a problem. The body had to be moved in some way, had to be touched in some way. Kenny says there is one explanation that makes sense to him. Something Perrault said in his interview with Sheriff Sills. I probably did touch her. I was probably hugging the out of her. And that would potentially account for her arms being uh, by her sides. As for the way Seth's gun was found beside Amanda's body with the ejected magazine by her side, the defense hired an expert who testified he fired the gun six times. And after one of those firings, the magazine spontaneously ejected. It shows that that firearm can drop the magazine when it's fired. Howard Seals took that very gun out and shot it several times. The GBI examined that gun, didn't notate in their report any malfunctions whatsoever. The Dr. Laura, L-O-R-A, Darasaw. Then there was the medical examiner, Laura Darasaw. Barksdale called her to the stand and asked her to explain how she came to her conclusion of suicide as the manner of death. What I wanted the jury and for her to see, she did not consider all the evidence. She had not considered Seth's daughter's interview. She had not considered the cell phone data, the prior yeah, domestic abuse. But Dr. Darasaw defended her conclusion. And in this statement to 48 Hours, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation backed her up. Our agency stands behind the original expert opinion of Perot's death. Were you worried at all about the verdict? When I try to remind myself, it is my job to pursue justice and to present a case for the jury to consider. And if they were to walk him out the door, I would be able to look to Amanda Peralt's family and say, we did everything we could. Go inside the case and see more of the evidence at 48hours.com. When they called us all back in, we all just held hands and dropped our head. 
It had been just under two and a half hours when the jury in the murder trial of Seth Peralt announced that they had reached a verdict. I just remember praying, saying, God, you know, just please, you know, please do this for our family. Let us have justice for our sister. And justice is what they feel they got. The verdict, guilty of murder. It was bittersweet because we got justice, but it didn't bring her back. It didn't bring our best friend back. That same day, Parole was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I want many years of him praying to God and being on his knees that he would have took his own life instead of my sister's. Justin Kenny says he believes an innocent man is now behind bars for life. My heart sank. I've known Seth for almost a decade now, and I don't think he did it. Every August on her birthday, Amanda's sisters honor her memory by releasing love letters tied to purple balloons. I love you, Amanda. I hope you're having a beautiful birthday in heaven. Happy birthday, dear Amanda. Happy birthday to you. In 2022, the notes also included the National Domestic Abuse Hotline number. And hopefully this will find somebody that really needs it. We just want to create awareness around domestic abuse and for people to don't sit back and just let it happen, no matter what the, the victim is telling you. Fight for them, you know, help them, help them any way you can. There's so many things I wish I could go back now and do different. I wish I could go back and save her. You're going to save somebody with this. I hope so. My name is Nora. How are you doing? We go to stories because we can bring someone to that story. You have spinal issues and you can hit the ball that far. That's so incredible. That human connection is incredibly important because the news doesn't have to be depressing. Energy! Energy! It can be uplifting. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued 
by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.